What's up and welcome into the Monday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson here at the Auctioner Sport Performance Center in Metairie. And we have a roundtable discussion for you on this Monday. Joining me, Jim Eikenhofer from Pelicans.com, Todd Graffinini, radio voice of the New Orleans Pelicans, and Caroline Gonzalez, who does it all on the Pelicans radio network. You also see her on the pregame show inside the Smoothie King Center. Unfortunately, we're going to be talking a lot about the Pelicans' loss yesterday to the Los Angeles Lakers, 122-114. to I'll go around and just get your initial thoughts on the game to start with, and we'll start with Utah and work our way around. Looked pretty good for most of it. That fourth quarter is really what stuck out to me as the Pelicans are outscored by 10. Not a lot of execution down the stretch, but other than that, there were some positives to take away and then obviously some negatives as well. Well, you know, on the broadcast with John DeShazer, we were just kind of perusing what was going on at the time. And, and basically what we were watching last night was what we saw on Tuesday night in Los Angeles. It's, it's, it's a team in the Pelicans that are right there. And I'm holding my index finger and my thumb pretty close thank you for the together. Description. Well, I mean, this is a, uh, this is not a, a, a video thank you. Thank you for the here, fans. Caroline, but uh, we're close, but, we're just not quite there yet when you're talking about finishing games against the upper echelon teams. And that really is the difference. Now, of course, the Lakers have a guy that has been finishing for 17 years in LeBron James, who did it again last night, uh, a triple-double, his 13th of the season. But, you know, it, we just weren't able to finish. And you go back to Tuesday night in Los Angeles, we were 4-19 of down the stretch. And last night, we just weren't able to make shots. And I just think that's really the difference right now between the two teams because for three and a half quarters, you're right there, Jim, and I think you would concur. It's just that that one li little extra push that the Pelicans have been short on. And actually, you go back to the game, the first one, uh, in the Smoothie King Center way back in November. Mm -hmm. Same exact deal. Yeah, and I would – delve even deeper into the season series that it's kind of to me it's a little bit reflective of the pelican season overall i thought when they played outplayed the lakers in the first meeting for a lot of that game that that was one of the best games that new orleans had played at the time um they were playing in just that night specifically at least until the end i thought they were playing above their heads a little bit compared to the way that they started the season um now i'm not i'm not nearly as surprised when i see them be as competitive as they are in the, these last two games against the Lakers. So to me, that's a really good sign, and it shows you the, the progress that they've made since the beginning of the season. Um, the second game against the Lakers was, I mean, the Lakers were up big. The Pelicans made a run, but it didn't really seem like the New Orleans really had much of a chance to win that game. So it's been kind of a steady improvement, I think, in the performance of the even though at the end of the day they're all losses. But to me, I definitely take something out of the way that the Pelicans have looked, they've looked, I think, a little bit better each time. And um, you would have loved to have gotten a win because obviously there's a potential that you could play them in the playoffs and it would have been great to be able to say, hey, look back at that game we played on March 1st where we beat them. But um, but I still think that they're, they're making strides. And it's, to me now, over the last 22 games of the season, it's going to be a matter of how much more can you keep going in that direction. You guys have been a part of a lot more basketball, professional basketball games than I have been. But 
for me last night that was the most fun game that I've ever seen in person. Mm. Um, I got borderline unprofessional yesterday because I was, uh, you know, not do. It's pretty easy for me, you know. They say no cheering in the in the press box, and you don't want to be unprofessional and get up and hoot and holler and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But there are a few times, especially when Derek Favors would do, would do something or Zion would do something. I kind of wanted to stand up and kind of flex my arms a little bit and be like, yeah, let's go. Um, Because the game was so competitive and you could just see that battle from every single Pelicans player from tip off. And it was so competitive and there was such a sense of urgency. So that was really fun for me to see. And I think another thing that was interesting for me to see is that what we've seen all year and from the beginning from Zion Williamson is that he is not afraid to be his own person. Um, and I think that has carried through to this point. Like he, yes, he respects LeBron James. He respects, you know, the high caliber players in the league, but he doesn't necessarily um, get frightened by them. He rises to the occasion when he has to play against those high caliber players. And he likes that. He said from the beginning, all he wants to do is go out there and play basketball. And that's what you saw from him last night. He rose to the occasion. He was competitive and he attacked the glass and he did exactly what you wanted him to do from a player. And I think to Jim's point, it came down to um, veteran players in the end on the on the Lakers doing what they know how to do. LeBron knows how to score in the end. He knows how to get to the basket. And you have guys on the Pelicans team who are younger. And, yes, they can get to the basket, but they haven't had that experience in endgame situations that – the Lakers team had of getting to the basket, scoring things like that. So those are some of the things that stood out to me. I think Zion Williamson is ready for this Zion versus LeBron James talk to end because we've heard it all through this week, Jim, and just articles written about whether he spoke to him or not, or if who approached who, and it just kind of got out of, out of hand a little bit and kind of the point of why is everyone making such a big deal out of this, whether they talk afterwards or what Zion thinks LeBron or what LeBron thinks of Zion, like, feel like this was blown way out of proportion here and i'm sure that zion is is happy that this conversation can come to an end at least for the last 22 games i mean the other night i would i think everyone was happy when the conversation ended that night because it was just getting kind of nauseating to be honest with you it was just like how many more questions can you ask this guy i mean it happened in la and then it happened again um here after the cleveland game but i mean i don't mean to go into a rant here but there's so many it's it, to me it's another example of how we're getting so out of control with not talking about basketball part of it why do we have to be so obsessed with all of this other stuff that doesn't have anything to do with basketball especially since there's so many things to talk about like there's an endless list we could spend five hours talking about just zion or just the pelicans or just the nba this season so why do we have to go into this route of talking specifically, like as you alluded to, who talked to who, who approached who. It's like, what is this high school? Who cares? Right. Yeah. It's it, it's it's insane to me. It's like you're talking about two grown men of whether they communicated with each other, whether they. It's like, oh, did he did he answer his phone call? Did he text him back? It's like so absurd. How have we gotten to this point? In 2020. You know what? I'm going to take the blame for that. It's us millennials. We really <laughs> are not the best. We, we've just taken it out of control with social media and we just, we, we find problems with everything. So I'm just going to, I'm going to take the fall for that. I, I apologize. Isn't it amazing though, that back in the day though, this was not even a discussion with players because most of the time they, during the season, they wouldn't be talking back and forth. They were enemies during the right. season. If some of them were friends, maybe off season, that's something else. But like 
I know Giannis Tedekumbo is a big believer as far as not working out with, you know, players that he doesn't play with. Um, I think that mentality has changed a little bit since back in the day, but back in the day we didn't have these conversations about who spoke to who and when and where and why. Also, I've spent my whole career in the media, so understand that perspective. I'm not trying to dis- to trash media, but it makes when situations like this happen, it makes me totally understand the perspective of players and athletes who say along the lines of what you just said, Daniel, if I'm buddy buddy with the with some of the other players, media people jump in, fans jump in and say, Hey, you're too you're being too friendly with them. But then when this happens and these guys aren't automatically like writing each other love letters from day one, they're like, Well, how come you're not friends with them? Mm-hmm. So it's like it, that makes me understand, and that should make everyone kind of get even more of the perspective that some of, of the athletes, players have, of saying, like, I'm at the point where I don't care what the media thinks because I can't win either way. Right. And it's, like, so absurd that you, you went from, you went from I think, I can't speak for everyone, but I think most people, from my perspective, I don't want the players to all be buddies with each other. No. I'd rather have, when people were talking about the Giannis-James Harden beef, I was saying more beefs, less less buddies in the NBA, and I think that's what people want. So how have we? How did you get it? You turn it completely, a hundred percent around, where you're asking Zion basically accusatory questions about how come you haven't approached LeBron yet? How come you haven't talked to him yet? It's it's. I just don't understand how it got there. I think it's the age thing. If I could just interject real quick, I think it's the age thing. I think it's a new player who is a, what has been called a generational talent. And you're talking about LeBron who is another generational talent and he's not necessarily being phased out. I mean, we saw the caliber of talent last night, so he's, he's still got it, but you're talking about a new player versus an older player. And I, I think people want to compare greatness and, sure. and people want Zion to be, to be more publicly respectful to LeBron and say, Hey man, he's great. I think, you know, he's an awesome player. Loved watching him when I was growing up. Of course he watched him when he was growing up. If you're watching basketball, you watch LeBron James growing up, but he, it doesn't mean he has to say, oh, man, you know, I look up to him so much. He's my favorite player ever. You know, I don't think that's necessary. That's not his responsibility either. And you want to aggravate athletes, start pestering them about other athletes. Yeah. They, they, they will have none of it. And, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to turn the people off that you're talking to with the media mm-hmm. at the same time. So just, you know, Jim, you said it great. You just... Enough is enough. Not, enough is enough. They, not, they've played. It's done with. Let's get on with the rest of the season. Not to mention, why does everyone have to be the same? Why does everyone have to be um, in love with all the other 400-something players? Why, does, why is it ne- a negative if you don't want – like, everyone can be different. That's the part that, like you, Caroline, you said, you know, people want him to be more publicly res- respectful towards LeBron or other players. Like, why? Right. Why does everyone have to – no one should have no one should have to follow what someone else thinks that they should do in every situation. I love the fact that Giannis is like, I'm not working out with other players during the summer. I'm not going to be friends with all the guys I'm competing with. So it's like that. That's the part that I just don't get is like you're forcing you're forcing the way you see things on someone else. It, it like let's just leave each other alone. So it 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 it's just. It got out, it got to the point of absurdity the other day. On Wednesday, we'll figure out whether Zion has Luka Doncic's phone number and see if they can change the text <laughs> since you know today. So we'll find out that on Wednesday. We'll ask that Jim. I'll make you ask that question yeah. to Zion as far as and then on Friday. Oh yeah, we'll I'm ask all over that. Jimmy Butler. Ask the question, then buddies. duck. Yeah. 
Um, let's move on to some play on the court, and uh, I want to talk about Lonzo Ball a little bit because I think he's been playing great recently for the Pelicans as far as the way he's been distributing the basketball. Of course, some of his lobs to Zion from 75 feet away. Obviously, this, um, his aggressiveness last night. I feel like we're, you know, we've seen the growth of Lonzo throughout this whole year. He talked about the importance of being healthy. But when you're looking at the last week or since the All-Star break, uh, Todd, I'll start with you. I feel like Lonzo, you're just seeing a different side of Lonzo, and it, it's really been working out right now. He's him. just he's comfortable. He's comfortable, and you talked about it. He's healthy, and he is running the offense exactly the way Alvin Gentry wants him to run the offense. He's got complete freedom, and if he makes a careless pass or, 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 or one of those live ball turnovers, I think that – that coach is willing to let it go because he's doing what he wants him to do. And you'll take that one negative with all the positives that go along with it. And, you know, you think of how many games this year he has been one assist away or one rebound away from a double-double or a triple-double. Last night, he's one rebound and one assist away from a triple-double. So he's been right on the cups many, many times. Um, But look, he's just... He is blossoming right now. He's playing his best basketball, and he's got so much room to grow. And he's the thing is, like this team, they're going up. They're on the ascendancy. And that's the fun part about it is just to watch him get better each and every night. Yeah, I, I think to your point, he has the freedom to do whatever he wants in Alvin Gentry's offense, and I think that's his comfort zone. But I think the thing that I like the most about him is his head is always up and his – his vision is always very clear. How many times, especially recently, have we seen the full court uh, pass, Alonzo Breeze, you know, and, and he, he's not just throwing it kind of on a whim to a general area where the player might be. He is throwing it in stride to these players. We saw one from Drew Holiday last night where he took one step and got it to the basket. You know, credit to Drew Holiday for catching the, the pass and putting it in, but he is online with a lot of these passes, and especially in tight situations, Lonzo's getting the pass exactly in the hands and where a player can catch it and put it up with ease. And I think that's the hardest thing to do as a point guard is get the ball in tight spaces and get it to, to the player in an area where they can score the basketball easily. And so, um, you know, I have a lot of respect for what Lonzo's doing. And I think when you have a guy like Zion Williamson who can do those things, uh, it makes it a lot easier. But it's certainly fun to see. Yeah, as Todd said, I mean, there's always kind of a risk analysis that you have to make when you throw some of these long passes. But one of the things that I love to see, and it happened multiple times in the first few minutes of the Cleveland game, was seeing the other team basically looking over their head saying, like, what the heck is going on? Why is someone throwing a 50-foot pass over mm-hmm. my head? And I think it's it forces them to be so much more um, concerned about their transition defense that in some ways I think – especially a team like Cleveland where they really try to attack the offensive boards. I think sometimes when you get beat down the court as much as they do, it makes them more hesitant to throw every bring everybody at the offensive boards because you have to make sure that you have guys back. So, I mean, he did that. Lonzo did that against the Lakers as well a few times. Um, I think the Lakers did a better job of getting back. They're a lot more cohesive in, in every way, probably defensively compared to Cleveland. But um, just fun to see just – putting that kind of pressure on the other team. Well, you think about if, if, if some of the great point guards in the past have done this, uh, like a Magic Johnson or a John Stockton, are they throwing three-quarter court baseball passes or chess passes from the free throw line? I've never seen anything like it because mm-hmm. he is deadly, deadly accurate. And I'm all about a, 
I'm a process guy, and I'm thinking, well, is he across the parking lot right now practicing this? (laughs) I mean, seriously, it's just, it's uncanny because he is rarely rarely ever off target it's it's really unbelievable to watch he just has a very instinctive feel for basketball his anticipate anticipation is great there's a lot of times where the ball comes to him and immediately it's like a touch pass to somebody else so i don't i don't think he's in the gym practicing his 50 foot 60 foot passes but i think he's done it so much that it's just a natural thing that he doesn't even have to think about anymore. If I can throw something in the air, a baseball pass, and see if anyone catches it, I would like to see him attacking the basket a little bit more because I think in the Portland game you and I noticed that he wasn't – he was attacking the basket, and even though he was open, he still was passing it out to try to you know get an assist and he find the open night. man. He did last night. He did last night. He did last night, and I think early on – I don't know if he – you know this is my very humble opinion, but I don't know if he was trying to prove to the Lakers that he could shoot, you know, because he has improved his shot so much, but sometimes it seemed like he was forcing shots a little bit. And B.I. talked about that after the game, he was kind of forcing shots a little bit and instead of letting the game come to him. But I would like to see Lonzo attacking the basket more so he is more of a threat and so that that his defender has to respect him a little bit more so you're not seeing as much cheating to other players. But regardless, he's going to find the open man. Go ahead. Uh, I, I just – I'd really, I, and I'm glad we played the Lakers four times and, and, and we're done with them. Hopefully we'll see them again in April. But I still think there is a little anxiety with mm-hmm. those three guys that came over when they're playing their former team, when you're talking about Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and Josh Hart, because the shooting numbers back that up. I mean, when is Brandon, Brandon Ingram going one for nine from three? I mean, it just doesn't happen. So I, I just think... Once this year is over and all the the hoopla with those guys coming over from the trade is down, I think the next time that you play the Lakers, they'll be a little bit more relaxed. And like you say, Caroline, let the game come to them instead of trying to force an issue. Yeah, and B.I. talked about that last night as he said he felt like he was kind of pressing a little bit, wanting to do a little too much, and it's got to let the game come to him a little bit. But you mentioned Lonzo and his aggressiveness, and we talked that you saw it last night. I think a lot of the times when he was aggressive last night, it was in transition and he saw a one-on-one opportunity and took it right to the hole. Sometimes where he gets in trouble is maybe when there's two or three guys in traffic and instead of maybe trying to go up and force a foul, that's when he makes the pass. And whether it's a jump pass or an errant pass. But last night, as soon as he saw a one-on-one opportunity, he had the confidence to go to the rim and that's where he saw some of his fast break points. And the Pels did really value the basketball much more last night than they did in the previous three meetings. We did get a little loose, though, as the game wore on. We only had one turnover in the first quarter, and that's exactly what Alvin Gentry wanted. But, boy, you know, every time the Pelicans make a mistake against the Lakers, it's going back the other way. The Lakers are not a fast-break team. They're just not. But when you when you make live ball turnovers against them, they're going to convert, and that's two games in a row now. They've had at least 36 fast-break points. Yeah, 34 and a half. Uh, average in the last two games it was 33 yeah. last night 36 okay. the other night but yeah you're right you're right around the same thing there as far as the fast break opportunities um, a couple more things before we get out of here let's talk about the injury to JJ Redick and what this means for this Pelicans ball club out at least two weeks with that hamstring strain obviously that is your best shooter on the team second in the NBA as far as three-point field goal percentage so now the question is as far as rotations we saw nine guys last night and one of those guys was Frank Jackson who only played five minutes so you really only played eight guys um who's got to step up who maybe plays that maybe hasn't played in the while or does alvin just maybe stick with eight jim i'll start with you as far as 
what the Pelicans need to do to kind of make up for the shooting loss with J.J. Redick being out. I definitely don't think that you're going to go with an eight-man rotation with this many games left in the season. I mean, eight-man rotation to me is more of a playoff thing because you have all the extra days in between games. And obviously the the importance of every single second of the game is goes way up compared to the regular season. Um, so I, I think it's going to be a matter of other guys are going to have to play more and, and, and fill in more. Um, it was interesting to me. We talked about this, you and I, Daniel, on the pregame report yesterday about J.J. being out, but they've been able to – the Pelicans have been able to shoot well and have good games, even some of the nights where he hasn't produced a lot. But it was interesting that the very first game that he's out with this injury, they had the third-worst three-point shooting percentage of the entire season shot, 21% from three-point range. So, I mean, I, I said before the game, you know, they have enough other shooters that they can make up for it, but – Unfortunately, right off the bat, there were a lot of cases last night where they could have used him in different situations. And Todd mentioned how, you know, playing against the Lakers, the, the three three guys that came from there press, have pressed a little bit more. It does seem like if you had another guy, kind of a release valve, an outlet guy, that could make some threes, that that would have taken away some of the heat off of some of the other players. It seemed like Brandon Ingram's one for nine. A lot of those were tough shots, those threes that he took, so... And in general, I they missed open shots, but they also give the you got to give the Lakers credit defensively that they made some they made them take some tough ones. But I mean, obviously, JJ being there, he's played in a million playoff games that would have helped. Or a averaging lot. fourteen makes a game. Fourteen made threes per game. Mm-hmm. Going back to Mardi Gras night, we made eight. You go back last night, made seven. I mean, can't you can't shoot twenty in the twenties and, and beat the Lakers? You just yeah. it can't happen. Got to make threes. Yeah, I agree. And you asked who do we think is going to step up. I think it's going to be Etuan Moore. I agree. Um, because I, agree. I think he is a, a solid professional who knows uh, what he needs to do and come in off the bench and do what he needs to do. And I think he's just a an all-around solid guy that's going to give you 15 points a game. And you don't really need much. You don't need a guy that's going to score 30 points a game. You just need a guy that can shoot outside, that can, you know, the, the defender is going to respect enough to be a threat from the outside. He can attack the basket. We've all seen his floater. So um, I think he's going to be a guy that really steps up for this Pelicans team. It was interesting to see Frank Jackson go in the game last night because I think his defense has improved a lot and we've seen him kind of mimic Drew Holiday's defense. So, um, as you said, I don't know if we're going to go to an eight-man rotation, but I'd like to see Etwan step and up. And here's the other thing. You know, it, it wasn't the case last night where you're just jacking threes up, okay, just for the sake of jacking them up. Well, we have 26 made free throws last night. Yeah. We got the ball inside, mm-hmm. okay? It, it, it's just a, a case of if you got looks, you got to knock some of them down, at least some of them down and give yourself a chance. So it wasn't a case where you're jacking up 45 threes just to to try to to get back in the game. No, the ball was going inside, and we were getting to the free throw line. And how about Nico Melli down that stretch, had those four big free throws in a row when the game was still very much in doubt. And, uh, I mean, he was going at it last night with Dwight Howard. (laughs) Uh, And and Dwight Howard – he was frustrated. Uh, oh man, it, it's but see that's what you want to see. You want to see these two teams going at it. Have a little, have a little bad blood, if you will. I'm not talking about throwing haymakers and stuff like that, but <laughs> but have a little competitive edge. And and, and I, lo- I I really love to see Nico just not back down there. You guys weren't in the locker room, but afterwards Nico was talking to Jalil Okafor, and uh, he was. 
he was talking about him defending Dwight and he was like, yeah, every time he was complaining that I, he, I was holding him, I was, I, I had no chance. And he just kind of <laughs> looked at him like I couldn't do anything. I was holding him, but it, it was pretty funny. Yeah, that was a, it was a good matchup yesterday and you can te- definitely tell that Dwight was definitely getting frustrated yes. with Nico, but Nico was holding his own and that's what you want to see. I have your young guy. Do you think Nico and Dwight are friends? Do you think they, they talk to each other? Yeah, they I probably mean, text all the time. I bet you yeah. they had dinner after the game. They had night. spaghetti and meatballs Oh, that makes me after. feel good then. Oh, I feel so much more relieved about the game to know that they're friends. How but, awesome is it to see the type of player Nico is off the court and then see how competitive he is on the court? Because he's gotten yeah. feisty in a lot of games. I, I like it. And I tell you what, he's been a, he's becoming an integral part of this team. Yeah. I mean, he really, really and, is. He's and, averaging double figures now for about – uh, almost a month so he he's somebody that you're you're beginning now to count on night after night and it was funny last summer have none of us knew him at all we didn't know much <laughs> about him at, as as a player or a person to hear everyone talk about how the people that knew him Darius Miller Trajan Langdon talk about how good of a dude he is and how funny he is and how well liked he's been on all of his teams I think we've totally seen that happen here the players love him like just when anytime he does anything positive you hear like everyone talking about how happy they are for it when he's had a couple dunks the bench has been <laughs> almost running on the court they had to like hold each other back so so yeah he's uh he's been such a such a positive it's been great to see especially after he went through a stretch earlier in the season where he wasn't playing that much and todd and nico are best friends now that's like. my guy yeah. <laughs> that's the only reason he Pizan. has a goatee yeah <laughs> nico melly goatee all right before i let you go let's talk about this week's schedule another very important week for the pelicans you have minnesota timberwolves tomorrow night tickets are still available at pelicans.com we need to get the smoothie kicks in a rocking like it was on friday and sunday really got to give props to the city and the fans out there it was really loud both nights but we need it there's still one more game on this homestand let's encourage everyone to get out there tomorrow night so you have the timberwolves on tuesday a tough back-to-back with the mavericks on wednesday remember a change in the start time 8 30 because it's now on espn then another Yay. tough game. Yeah, late games on the back-to-back. Yay. <laughs> and then Friday, another tough matchup with the Miami Heat, also on national television. And then Sunday, you begin a four-game road trip in Minneapolis to take on the Timberwolves. So if you look at the schedule, guys, you know, I think the swing game might be that Dallas Mavericks game, a pretty important game, or it could be that Miami game. But I think in these situations, you would love to say a goal of 3-1 and one this week with maybe if you are going to have a loss in there to Dallas or Miami. But – you know, now you're three back of the Grizzlies, and, you know, the more games you play, the margin of error is pretty slim. So um, it's a pretty winnable week, but also a very tough week in the same sense. I'm still waiting for your so-called schedule to <laughs> I was, just back up to you. I, I just, you know, you've been saying this since November, Daniel, and I, I just what do we have, I have not seen it happen We have, like, yet. what, 20 games yet? 22. And every week we're like, this is a big you know, week. I'm looking at <laughs> well, it's the, a big week from the sense of Correct. I, I'm, just, I'm just teasing you, but... No, it is amazing. I mean, you look at the schedule behind you, Daniel, and of course you're you're starting in October. And I'm like, man, it's going to be a long year. And now we're on the second to last month. We literally have a month and a half left in the season. It's unbelievable how fast so it's. So then going. I get rid of you. It's almost over, Caroline. <laughs> Your dream is nearly complete. We, so we have the after the All Star break, we have the easiest schedule. So it's not just me making Where, it up. Right? When and why and how? I haven't seen this it yet. This team has won 15 of their last 16 against the bottom 18, and I'll continue to say that no, stat as long as we play them. But look, I, I I hate to admit it, but I was listening to you guys when I was driving home last night in the post game show. Um, but uh, you and two other people. <laughs> <laughs> at some included. no, at some point we're going to have to win some games that we're not expected to win, and I think Wednesday night is a prime example. I mean, Dallas is really 
really taken care of us this year. They really haven't been much of matchups at all. That would be one that you would really, really enjoy going in and, and kind of stealing one, if you will. I think if you want to look at it from a positive standpoint, um, three of the games against Dallas were the the three games played so far were pretty early in the season, and I think the Pelicans Good were point. a completely Good different point. team. Good point. They didn't have Zion, obviously. I think Favors probably missed a couple of those games, mm -hmm. if not all of them. Um, he definitely played in the first of the games against them. The last but, time we were in Dallas, I've actually wiped that away from uh, Oh, yeah, that was we ugly. We stricken that from the record, yes. if you will. I don't know if we called the second half while we were there. Just, <laughs> <laughs> oh, walked did. out in the I parking lot for a little while, yeah. took a few deep breaths. sat there in silence, yeah. I think, for a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> at least it was a day game when we got to get home earlier. Yeah, it was pretty brutal. But I, I think, though, that, um, Todd, I have good news for you. You were asking about, about it. You were asking about when does the schedule get easier. As Daniel referenced, easiest schedule after the All-Star break in the NBA. Of the last 15 games of the season, right now, if you look at the standings, 14 of those teams have losing records. So nice. now it's a, it's slightly misleading because I think some of those teams are playing really well. And two of the games are against Memphis. But Come on, Jim, let me have this. But <laughs> um, we can delete this part of, his, of me talking going back out. against right. what I said. But no, I mean – there's no way that you can look at the schedule the last part of the season and say and have any complaints about it in terms of the difficulty of opponent. Um, if the Pelicans don't make the playoffs, it's going to be because, yes, we they need to win some games against good teams, like you said. But if, as Daniel referenced, if they continue to win at the rate that they have been, where they've won 95% of their games against teams with losing records, I mean, if you, if you win – Hypothetically speaking, if you win those four, if you win fourteen games of those teams against the losing records, um, that's four. You end up with forty wins. Is is forty wins going to get you in the playoffs? I'm not sure. It might, but and that that's setting aside like the other games that they could win. You know, in this next stretch of seven games. So if you, I mean, one way to look at it is you have this week the four games you coming up, and then after that you, the end of that road trip is really interesting because not only do you play. Utah and the Clippers in a back-to-back, -back, but before that you play against Sacramento, which as time has gone on, that game has become increasingly They're interesting. Right. right. right now. And you have Utah and Clippers on a back-to-back. -back yeah, again. Getting easier. Sheesh. But that's that's the very okay. end that's of the, the seven-game stretch off. I'm talking about. <laughs> wow, that Salerson so, doesn't know what the heck he's talking so about. Then, but then you go, after that back-to-back, -back, you go into the final 15 games. Got it. So and That's Got seven it. games that's away. That's when it'll get so easier. So I can't wait for when we have the last 15, I go, the schedule's lightened up. <laughs> By the second half, of the season getting uh, easier, he meant the second half of the second half of the season. That's and look, meant. and just to, to <laughs> build on the point, to come out against the teams that you're supposed to on paper, you're supposed to beat. Very come visual. out <laughs> well, again. I'm trying to, you know, this is this is an audio medium, so I'm trying to combine things here, but. Come out with the energy that you did on Friday against Cleveland. And you came out last night with energy as well. You just didn't make the shots that you made against Cleveland early on. So come out with that mentality each and every night, and you're going to be okay. And look, we still have to talk about out of these last 22 games, two against Sacramento, three against San Antonio, two against Memphis. That's seven of your 22 against teams that you're still battling. You already clinched a season series over Portland who seems to be sliding a little bit. Um, but at the same time, those might be the difference and not the ones that we're talking about as far as the teams under 500. But if you win those games or a good chunk of those games, plus 
the games against teams that are 500, you should be in pretty good shape, but still a long way to go here. It's going to it's gonna be a great evaluation process, I think, of the team. We're going to be able to learn a lot about them over the, this last part of the season just because, like you said, they play so many teams that are in the same kind of segment of the sta- section of the standings that the Pelicans are in. Um, I know we talked a lot about the Lakers, so we're guilty of this a little bit too, but um, I think one thing that I'm, I'm looking forward to is just playing against the Lakers. I'm glad one of the reasons I'm glad it's over as, as Todd mentioned is that um, I do think that people, and hopefully I'm not guilty of this as well, but people do get, did get a little bit carried away with evaluating, making sweeping statements about the Pelicans based on those two games. For example, I talked to somebody the other day who was, or after the game yesterday, who was complaining about the, the way the team has played. And I'm like, you know, what games have you watched? And, you know, they've been playing really well for the last couple of months. Which games have you watched? Well, I only watched the game, the two games against the Lakers. The two losses like, out of the right, it's like, So it's like, let's calm down a little bit. Let's not get out of control here. Let's take a step back and remember how young this team is. Um, and the Alvin Gentry referenced this after the game last night, that the measuring stick and the bar that they're trying to reach right now is not the Lakers. Exactly. And it's it's – it's getting a little bit absurd to act like, okay, this team that started out six and twenty-two and one and seven now is already like, okay, if they don't beat the best team in the league, if they're not at that level right now, this second, when your leading scorer is nineteen years old and your all-star is twenty-two, um, I just think it it's it'll be good to take a step back and look at things a little bit more reasonably. And I think with the schedule that they have coming up, where they play so many teams that are right around the same level it'll be a little bit more accurate way to kind of assess their progress i've said this for about a month now i I think the goal is to get to 500 by the end of the season if you can start out six and 22 and end up 40 at least 41 and 41 Mm. if you don't make the playoffs so be it Uh, i just think that's a remarkable turnaround and when when you start out that far below 500 then you start having to count on other teams that, that's tough to do, and Alvin Gentry said that after the game last night you st- or, or after the game on Friday. Uh, you start trying to pull against Memphis and pull against it, you're going to be disappointed each and every time. you got to control what you can control. And if you get to 500 and you fall a little bit short, well, you know what, you made a heck of a run, but what happened in November it was just a little bit too much to overcome. That, to me, I think should be the goal of this season – and look, if you get to 500, you're going to give yourself a pretty darn good chance to get in. I was hoping you could give us a, a, a swoosh sound, like a ball going into a basket sound, since you've been so good with the sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> the facial expression was way better than the sound effect. Okay, good. <laughs> well, as we talk about just worry about ourselves, I will give you all homework tonight because let's scoreboard watch tonight a little bit. There are I'm all about scoreboard watch. I, I can do that with the best of them. Three teams in action that you are chasing for that playoff spot. The Portland Trailblazers at Orlando tonight. The Memphis Grizzlies at Atlanta. And the Indiana Pacers at San Antonio. So go Hawks, go Magic, go Pacers tonight. We'll rely on that Southeast Division again, which we did the other night as well. Got some help last week as the Hawks defeated the Portland Trailblazers and the Magic almost beat the Spurs. So we'll see if we can get both of them tonight. Chance of me watching three games at the same time, 100%. Don't text me. Don't. You're not allowed to text me. He saves those for me. I'm saving those for Daniel. And uh, I I got greedy last week. It paid off. I did not do anything the other night when when I was watching the Memphis Laker game. There's a little expression that uh, Daniel and I – 
uh, kind of you well I use to Daniel but I'm, I'm not going to make that public at this particular time because I don't want to mess things up but let's just say I'm three for three when I use it but I did not get greedy against the Memphis uh, uh, with the Memphis Laker game just because I didn't want it to, to use it up too much you've got to pick your spot so we'll I'm see picking spots we'll see if it works we'll update you on that on our next podcast we're big, not superstitious just a little not stitious. at all not at all a big thanks to caroline gonzalez todd graffinini and jim Mikenhoff for this podcast presented by SeatGeek. trying to find tickets to basketball games or any other live event can be complicated there's hundreds of sites and shady pricing with SeatGeek. you can do everything in one place search for and discover the best deals on seats buy from any device and sell and transfer tickets in just a couple of taps if you are new user to see geek our listeners can get $20 off their first purchase use code gopels all one word all caps at checkout SeatGeek. score the best deals on tickets we'll have another podcast for you on wednesday getting you ready for wednesday's matchup between the pelicans and the mavericks and of course we'll have another one on friday as well getting you ready for pelicans and heat thanks for joining us today and we'll talk to you on wednesday this is the pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek.